0: Hello, and welcome to The Financial Classroom with Will and Tim, where two friends believe that the American dream is built by living within your means. Listen as we discuss how to build wealth, live frugally, and attack life with a financial plan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Financial Classroom Canada. Today, you're listening to episode 70. Wow, we are at episode 70. That is insane. We have a special guest today, and uh, I won't introduce him because uh, he's... uh, Just a special guy. I think uh, Tim knows him really well. And before I get into that, yeah, on the other side of the mic, there's uh, Tim and Eric as well. Yeah. Hey, everyone.
1: Uh, So today we've got, uh, as Will mentioned, a special guest, uh, Mike, which is uh, Tim's brother here. Very, Mm -hmm. very cool situation. Mike, why don't you go about kind of just telling us a bit about yourself?
2: I feel like I need to include this for my mom that most people call me Michael.
3: But oh my apologies
2: she, it, i don't care she just hates it
3: um, uh, she, got, she got so bad at me when i changed my uh facebook name to tim instead of timothy <laughs> i'm like everybody just calls me tim but so uh, she calls me timothy. that's amazing
2: yeah. you keep, keep going calling me mike i was just like i need to
1: include this for my mom almost yeah good to know no worries and
0: so sorry before you head on to that first question eric um oh sorry i just want to say tim uh was being forgetful and forgot his mic so uh, <laughs> if he sounds all not normal like what you used to sound like that's because there's actually he got his mic he forgot his cord he's at there are mike's house right now or michael's house yeah but yeah anyways
2: <laughs> so i can be as dumb as i want because tim is editing this right i can cause as much work for him as possible <laughs>
3: Yeah, you can say whatever you want and I'll make it work.
1: Uh
3: you want to repeat like, oh, to,
1: to repeat the question, okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh. No, that's okay. Uh so Mike, just like any other uh six six figure millennial, uh usually you know you have a story uh, kind of leading up to your current situation, things you did before you kinda, you know, uh, started putting yourself ahead and uh maybe, you know, things that kinda helped you out or first jobs that uh kind of taught you certain aspects about the importance of uh you know putting yourself ahead so why don't you kind of give us a little bit of a background of your story and just kind of you know where you were beforehand and what kind of got you started to be where you are now
2: yeah shockingly my story is similar to Tim's um yeah wow. kind of <laughs> <laughs> even have the same mom <laughs> yeah I just grew up my mom stayed at home so money wasn't necessarily overflowing. We had good examples of being frugal and budgeting and you know picking your picking the things you want to do and uh leaving some stuff off the table. And then yeah, went to Bible school for a couple of years, took a year off to pay off the student loans. I got there. And then yeah, went to U of R, worked at a camp during the summer, and then worked at my church during the winter. So a lot of the time before I got my first post-university job was I never made a, never made a ton of money, but I always had enough and always learned to save, but yeah, I guess learned to save and learn to, yeah, make every
3: dollar go a little bit farther. So do you want to tell them a little bit about like, uh, I guess what your job is and yeah. uh, like kind of, yeah, what you went to school for and.
2: Yeah, I, uh, at university, I did a computer science degree. And so I'm now a web developer, mostly doing contracts. Contracting out to different companies. So that's been really good.
3: And what would be your uh, current net worth? And at what point did you hit the six figure mark? Yeah,
2: current net worth, we just over just made it over six figures close to Christmas there. And I think that, yeah, over Christmas, we finally got to that point.
3: And how's that? Uh, do you have an idea of how that net worth is allocated roughly?
2: Yeah. So. I think about half of it's in our house. About another third of that is in RRSPs and TFSAs. And then, yeah, the rest of it is just like cash from emergency funds and savings and sinking funds and stuff like that.
0: Cool. Cool. So about 50 grand in in health equity, if yeah. I'm getting that correct. 25 grand in probably TFSA slash RRSP and then 25 in just cash.
2: Yeah, there's a little bit. Uh, it's like a little over... 30 i think or 35 somewhere in there and okay it says in and yeah
0: resting cash cool nice that's that's awesome um so you're you're the only one who's working in your house right and yeah. i believe you just had your other child now there's two of them and so what would your i guess salary range be uh since you started working to now cuz you said during university you didn't make a whole lot of money yeah.
2: Yeah, just university started with 60k and then between promotions and switching jobs and just a little over six figures for salary now.
3: And then you nice. 30 and yeah. Renee is a year younger than me so 28. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Good math skills there Timmy.
3: Yeah, that's why I'm a CPA. <laughs>
1: Well, Mike, you, I, how long have you been married to your uh, current spouse?
2: Five years. Five, Five years.
1: So um, I guess just in general, in terms of kind of starting out, have you been sort of that natural saver, natural spender? What was your, you know, as a single individual before even, I guess, the dating world even came into play, what was your aspect of finances and did that, you know tend to change kind of as um you and you know renee started seeing each other or even into getting married how did that kind of look for you
2: uh yeah during university i kind of i don't know it was pretty consistent with how much i made during the summer and how much i needed during the year so i kind of usually the bank account was looking pretty thin by the end of university end of the semester but always had enough at the end of there and then yeah since then i've become more of a saver. i'm Just kind of learning about oh yeah, you need to save for retirement and stuff like that, and making sure all that's taken care of.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Did that change as uh, you two started seeing each other, or was it roughly the same? Yeah, I think
2: once I started my first job, then I started actually having money to save. So I, I started learning that more about that part of my personality, budgeting well, and like actually having money left over at the end of the month was like, yeah, this is good to be saving for a house or something in the future and then yeah when my parent when we had the opportunity to buy a house off my parents then it was like oh yeah we need now we have like a goal we need to save for like a down payment so i started learning saving from that and now now i'm yeah getting better and better at that and saving for the future
1: Well, that sounds great because usually, I mean, from what you said that just for what you did for work in between, kind of sounds like similar to me that you just kind of had that summer job. You didn't really have to worry too much during the year. I'm sure that kind of put a strain on resources and having to really learn about, you know, tightening up that budget and what that meant to you. Um, Did you have any support through that? Like, was there any student loans with that post-secondary or anything else because Mm -hmm. you had to work so hard during the summers?
2: Yeah, so I did have, like, a kind of a weekend job at my church taking care of events and stuff. But, yeah, a lot of it was at Briarcrest. I did take out some student loans, but I paid those off my year off. And then, yeah, university, I saved so much money living with my parents. Not having to pay for food or lodging or whatever. Saved a ton of money there. And, yeah, just having that support even, like, helped me out. I don't have to worry about others, like, taking care of a house while I could work during the year and then during the summer.
1: So just curious, did you ever like, were you a spreadsheet person or were you, how did you kind of look to allocating that money when you made that during the summer? Cause like for myself, I also, like I didn't have to take out student loans when I went through school, I was lucky enough to be with my parents, but I also stayed in Regina for school for that. But I also had to work very hard during the year to, you know, try to accumulate that. And that's kind of like where, I, I started out writing things out and having my my accounts listed of where, you know, what's going, where am I checking or my savings or whatever that might've looked like. So yeah. Like, how did you start understanding like what was in your account? How did you have everything per month? And how did you record, you know, as that went away and you knew how much you had to spend every, every, every month, I guess, during the school year. Yeah.
2: I guess I kind of just knew, I, I knew how much like each semester costed for tuition. And so I wasn't a very yeah spreadsheety person. I was just like, Oh, yeah, I kind of know how much how much I spend per month on it was only a couple of things, like a cell phone and insurance, car insurance and gas and stuff. so for the most part, I was just like, yeah, just make sure I have enough enough for tuition in in September and January, and then everything else will take care of itself. I made just enough money to cover everything else and still hang out and go out for food every once in a while,
3: so one thing I wanna ask about to you is so like when you and when you and renee started like you know got married combined finances uh what was that like was there any kind of adjustments that took place there and was one of you more of a natural saver and one a natural spender
2: yeah i think renee was just happy to have someone to take on the mental load for her she didn't really like thinking about The like big picture with like salary and taxes and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we kind of combined it. She's just like, Michael, I trust you to take care of this. I trust you to um, do a good job with this. And I haven't disappointed her yet. So hopefully.
0: (laughs) Was there any debt that she carried over with, like student loans or anything like that, or did she bring over? Assets. So
2: after we got married, we worked one more summer at camp together. Um, she had student loans from doing a one-year course at SIAS, but the way it worked for camp is we kind of got paid for a couple months all at once. We were able to pay. off. And what months.
0: is SIAS for listeners from other places?
2: Uh, it's like a technical school. She took continuing care aid to work in senior homes and stuff. And so she took a year to learn about that and then had a little bit of student loans after that. But we were basically able to pay it off with the money we made at the end of the work end of the summer working at camp
0: cool um so michael um obviously you uh it it seems like you grew up in a a household actually i i kind of know tim pretty well so uh household that's pretty pretty frugal uh you have a brother that's a stretchy wizard and uh you do budgeting yourself things like that so what are your biggest mistakes in terms of finance or are there any big, big mistakes? I I know you mentioned the student loans and stuff that you took out, but like, are there any stuff, did, did you buy anything unnecessary or did you do anything stupid with your money?
2: Nothing. I was, yeah, I was trying to think of regrets and I was like, oh, I don't have a ton of it the way I spent my money. There was one time where we, uh, we only had the one car. We got into an accident. It was a hit and run. On the street and so we had to buy a car really quickly and because of kind of the timeline it was around christmas um we didn't necessarily do all the checks or negotiate as well on the car so when we bought it we instantly had to put like two or three thousand dollars into it to get it ready for winter like it didn't have a block heater or anything to keep it warm in the winter so i was like uh, regret not taking not having the due diligence of looking at that vehicle and maybe what kind of mechanical shape it was in when we bought it
1: well it sounds like you've i mean in terms of finances it, it sounds like you said you don't have a lot of regrets which is i mean awesome good for you for not um doing a lot of things that you weren't happy with prior so that's pretty sweet so i you know normally i would think you know to ask to if you're to do things again would you do anything differently but to me it sounds like you would probably do a lot of the, the same pretty much the way they were done so that that's awesome to hear i guess the big thing i want to i was kind of looking to ask is and this is kind of more generalized in terms of not for you specifically but for um like maybe just the population in general and i mean you don't have to share your age or anything or the phase of your life that you're in or anything like that but for listeners out there who you know, maybe they're in their 50s, they're mid 20s, 30s, whatever it is, have kids or single, who knows, I guess, kind of like a two parter here. So I'll go with the first part here. Did you have anyone that you could kind of look up to as a mentor or somebody that could kind of show you the way for what you learned? And so like, how did that look for you? Like, was it maybe sharing certain readings? Was it articles or listening to or watching videos? I, I mean, it could be anything. So what did that kind of look for you?
2: My first thought was like my dad where, yeah, he taught me a good example of taking care of money well and also keeping expectations low, like not necessarily like, I guess the better way of saying that is, yeah, he taught me like contentment of like, oh, you don't need to have all of this to be happy. You don't need to go to like somewhere hot every winter and then just picking things you really want to do and putting your effort towards that instead of trying to fill every bucket and every... Yeah, just try to like keep up with the Joneses, I guess.
1: No, I think that's honestly to me, it sounds pretty common for that, which is good because you've got someone who can kind of, I don't want to say hold your hand, but allows you to see a path that you could navigate to make work for you to kind of, you know, do what you want with it. Yeah, I guess this, the follow up I had with that was that, I mean, when I think about mentors and someone to look up to, I don't think everybody has that option. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, if you want to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who maybe didn't have that role model in their life, what would be something that you've learned so far that could have been a trigger for you to say, hey, you know what, what I'm doing doesn't work right now. There's a better way to do this. Put myself ahead, start investing, budgeting, whatever that may look like. What would be like the, the like the light bulb moment that you would have experienced without your dad that would have said, this is important to me and I need to learn more about it?
2: um yeah i think just keeping track of what you spend and knowing knowing where your money is going like it can be eye-opening with how much money you spend eating out in a month or how much money you spend on clothes or even like housing and cars like we look at the amount of money we spend on cars on our one car and it's like this is a ton of money we don't need two cars and so we're gonna avoid that so yeah just knowing what you spend your money on and just having that knowledge. And a lot of that is just shocking what for some of that money goes.
1: No kidding. No kidding. I I know not to make it. I mean, this, this episode's fully based on you and your accomplishments, but I am curious. Well, Tim, has there been any similar experiences for the two of you for this?
3: Yeah, I think for me, it was probably that that moment that I got out of school and I was, I just came to reality with the student loans that I had to pay off. And I was like, okay, I need, you know, I need a plan in place here. I need to, I want to get rid of these as soon as possible. And that kind of forced me to look at, you know, what I was spending and what I was bringing in and be like, I want to get these paid off as soon as possible. I'm going to decrease my spending so that I can throw everything at the student loan. And so that was kind of my light bulb moment.
0: I think I hey, went through yeah. a few different phases. I, it was my grandpa who taught me saving at an early age. And then kind of Dave Ramsey teaching about just like avoiding debt, um, kind of thing. And then it went from there, mentor-wise, like it's not like a direct mentor, but like obviously not a direct mentor, but Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, and just following guys who have the like done real success. And I all of us like to go work out and go to the gym and all that. And like, you're not gonna take advice from someone who's extremely obese to learn how to lose weight and how to be fit, right? Same thing with finance when I'm trying to look up to who I want to be, who I want to do down, what I want to do down. Where I look to look at people who's done success. And, but yeah, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, those two are, I really look up to. And and I I think, heck, the reason we're doing the six figure millennial is because Charlie Munger talks about the first hundred K, right? M- mind you, he's talking about like, again, in, like being invested, but that's what, that was the thought behind this whole segment. That's how it started in the beginning. So uh for me that's uh like those two have has significant impact on my life you know i obviously don't know them personally or they don't even care about me obviously but yeah (laughs) um, that's that's good perspective yeah that was a good question mike uh oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) that was a good question eric um i guess you want to be a co-host one day too eh? Um, (laughs) that's the dream yeah (laughs) yeah no so uh I guess uh, at, at this stage, you guys have two kids. Uh, are you are you f- helping your kids down the road with education too? Seeing that uh, obviously you and Tim both had to take out student loans in in some way or capacity. Are, is that something that you guys are trying to do, or are you just um, obviously? I always say, who who told me this? I don't remember who told me that, but you're guaranteed to retire, but your kids aren't guaranteed to go to school. But so I'll say prioritize your retirement first. But are you, is that something that you and uh, your wife are talking about?
2: Yeah. Uh, The one day I kind of just did the math and I forget what the math, what the number was, but was talking to Renee and like every, we just had every income tax return, we throw $500 of that into each kid's RESP. And that may not, I don't know, it didn't sound like much when I said it like that, but it was something like, Eight ten thousand dollars with mm-hmm. the matching from the
0: government, and so <clears> throat> throat> was a once a year kind of thing. Yeah, you're doing okay. Yeah,
2: and yeah, it's not the fan the optimal like fill everything every year, but it's enough to give them like a good start to their education and give them a year or two to figure it out before they have to start paying for it on their own.
3: Yeah, and then cool. that'll grow obviously too. <clears throat> so yeah, um, that's fair. I I know that you. I guess I can speak to like from what I've seen in your life, as well, <laughs> which one of the things I, I used to see was that you ate a lot of skip the dishes. <laughs> um, and I'm just curious if that was like, I, I've, I noticed that that's not a thing anymore, yeah. or at least not nearly like it was. I'm just curious if that was an intentional thing. And like, yeah, what was kind of the mindset there if it was? Um.
2: So yeah, when we start, I think we started doing that during COVID, because when you're locked down and can't really go anywhere, you're looking for any little excitement you can get, and skip the dishes became that little. Hey, we get to do something fun tonight. We get to order in, and the nice. only the only different thing that happened to you in that week. um But yeah, while well, we were talking earlier about yeah, once you look at kind of the end of the month, the end of six months, like how much money we spent on skip the dishes, like oh. We spent like thousands of (laughs) dollars in the dishes in like the course of a year. It's like, this is a problem and we can do this cheaper.
3: And then one other cool thing that I've, I've seen is actually you've kind of taken uh, an interest into sustainability. You've kind of, I guess, you know, I've, I've seen you like, you know, reducing meat consumption, for example, would you mind just talking a little bit about what some of the things you've done to incorporate sustainability into your life and just kind of how that's been able to save money
2: yeah um it's funny we started eating meat less because of different health things and like oh just kind of improve our health and then one day was a year year and a half ago we went to the grocery store to buy a roast because some friends were coming over and like our jaws hit the floor what a cost of a roast was we're like how do people afford this stuff (laughs) because yeah we've just been able to incorporate a lot more beans and lentils and stuff in places where like ground beef or other stuff you'd use. And yeah, that's like, that stuff's dirt cheap. And so you don't really miss it, especially when you're doing it every day. And like when you're eating, you have to feed yourself like two or three times a day, every day of the year and small, small stuff like that can like mm-hmm. add up. And then, yeah, Renee, my wife has gotten into a lot of thrifting and Reusable diapers and stuff, and it's kind of interesting. We'll talk to Renee's grandparents, who they ba- they basically grew up on a homestead. Their house, yeah, didn't have running water for a long time, didn't have electricity, and just it's funny talking to them, and like, oh yeah, like cloth diapers is something they had to use because they didn't have a choice because like disposable diapers weren't invented yet, or even gardening, having like vegetables in the back and were <clears throat> fruit trees that they could. That they could eat off of and not have to pay go to the grocery store and stuff like that. And in thrifting, reusing stuff from one kid to the next, taking stuff from other people. That kind of stuff has like enabled us, has enabled Renee to stay at home and take care of the kids where a lot of her friends are going to work and doing stuff like that instead of staying home with their kids. And so yeah, just lots of little things, stuff like that. And it's interesting how learning from I uh, learning from people who had to do it uh, and even if we don't have to do it, it still has benefits today.
3: And like thrifting for kids is I imagine like one of the, <laughs> those huge things where if you're, if you're buying new clothes, if you're buying new whatever for them, like you probably have the potential to spend, I mean thousands, even tens of thousands of dollars too.
2: Yeah, no, Renee spends lots of time on garage sale and i f- Sometimes I wonder if we spend more stuff on gas going to get the stuff than we actually do on the side. (laughs) Nice. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And there's always people who have, who just had kids who are trying to get rid of stuff. So you can find like bags of stuff for so cheap.
3: But then as, as like your kids like grow out of stuff too, Mm -hmm. like she's, she's been able to like resell some of that stuff back on garage sale as well. Right. So it's almost like a net zero.
2: Yeah. Yeah, she jokingly calls it renting it from garage sale, where she buys it and then six months later it doesn't fit anymore, and nice. she puts it back <laughs> on for the same price.
1: That, that's awesome. Um, well, Mike, it sounds like a lot of you know what you and your wife do on a daily basis would kind of fit along the ways of trying to, I guess, decrease those expenses as much as possible to maybe have the allocation to savings or investing more, but. As I as you were kind of explaining all of that, I was just kind of curious in terms of your age. Not necessarily, you know, you don't have to be specific to the phase of your life. Like I kind of went to before. Is there anything in general that you feel that any person could do to put themselves ahead? Because being a six figure millennial is a huge accomplishment. Like that's not an easy task to do. As well, was saying with the Charlie Munger type of stuff. If I mean, if people don't know about him, I would highly recommend to look him up. But it's not an easy thing to accomplish. So in terms of maybe what you've done or other things you've thought about doing, what's something that, you know, a person generally in the same age or just, I guess in their life, what they can do to put themselves ahead if they don't have a lot of support systems.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Cause I've had so much support systems and there's that like pull between like, it's it, there's that interesting contrast between privilege and being in a good position where, my parents gave us a good price on a house, but if we hadn't been, if we haven't been working like working hard to save, we wouldn't have been able to buy it, even if we were being given a good price on a house. Um, I'm trying to think, what, what advice I would give? I feel like I'm bad because our grocery budget we still go over usually, but I know like little things add up. Like, um, what is your grocery budget? Uh, it's about 550 dollars a month that's including like diapers and household things wow' kidding. Okay. we usually go over a little bit and then eating outs a separate thing but yeah usually like 550 600 and yeah I think probably the way we do that is little things add up like flash food I know you guys are yeah <laughs> it's flash foods guys are stands for flash food uh PC Optimum has a really good program and if you know how to work that you can get Points for groceries, like often I'll have an extra hundred dollars a month in groceries that are just PC points from filling up at the superstore near my house or buying deals and stuff. The PC points days most recently, I got like two hundred dollars in free points from from a big sh- from like a five hundred dollars shop. So like little things like that add up and can definitely make things easier when you're like, oh, my budget's leaning. It's like, oh, but I have fifty dollars in PC points, so. We can do, we can, uh, yeah, buy stuff like that or with that.
3: Yeah. I, uh, so, so just the other day I I had like a a car repair that I needed to do and I just, you know, looked online. I'm like, maybe there's a coupon for this car place. Turned out there was. And I was telling my coworker (laughs) about this and my, my coworker is from Peru and she was saying that they have a saying there, and I don't know enough Spanish to repeat it in Spanish, but <laughs> yeah. I do know that uh, she said the translation was uh, "saving is progress." <laughs> so, and that's kind of what she used to describe my situation, where it was like, you know, it was whatever eleven hundred dollars to repair my car, and I was I had a thirty dollar coupon, mm-hmm. but you know, that's that's still thirty dollars ahead, and mm-hmm. so same kind of thing in you know your situation where. Yeah, you use flash foods or you uh get those PC points. And you know, it's a lot of the time it's like, Oh yeah, five bucks here, ten bucks there, kind of thing. But those those things add up, they do make a difference. So
2: yeah, we've most recently been experimenting cooking beans from dry instead of uh buying the canned stuff in the yeah. supermarket. And like dry beans are so cheap. But you have to be willing to put in that that little it's not too much extra work, but it is extra work to cook them and you have to be be planning ahead your meals to use them so they don't go bad and stuff like that. Little. Yeah. That's a little thing that we just started recently that we've been trying to do to lower the budget even by a little bit more.
3: Cool. And I guess just kind of looking ahead, uh, do you have some, I guess like long-term financial goals, 10 year financial goals that you're uh, kind of looking at?
2: The one thing I really want to do is pay off our house. I know that's not the right math thing to do, with in- investing, you can make more profit, but I don't know. It's something that's always been interesting. I've always been interested in paying that off a little bit quicker. And just that mortgage every month really hurts on looking at that and the bills. So getting rid of that and then, yeah, I don't know, long-term. Yeah, I don't really have anything crazy long-term. Just keep saving, keep doing well, and then at some point I'll retire. But yeah. I don't know when I'll get that. Board <laughs> played by here,
0: yeah. So, so Michael, um, I'm gonna pivot to my favorite part about finance, which is uh, the market or investing. Uh, so you said you have 25 grand, whatever TFSA or RSP. How is that uh, broken now? Are, are you buying into GICs, bonds, mutual fund, ETFs, index, etc., etc.? Like, there's all these obviously different investments, gold, uh, Pokemon cards, hockey cards, whatnot. How is that broken down? I guess you can't hold. Pokemon cards under your TFSA. I don't think that's what a thing. But uh, anyways, how is that uh, broken out? What are you invested in? Or what, what are you into individual stocks, things like that too? So my RS, RRSP and TFSA, which is about
2: 90, 95% of it, is all in uh, VEQT, just an ETF. That, Vanguard.
0: all oh, equity.
2: I don't even know what it stands for. I'm just like, hey, Tim, what that's are you for. for this? And nice. he gave me a few options with things. And I was like, hey, I want this one. And then, what's in my RESP is a Robo Advisor from Wellsimple because that was my only option, and it is not doing as well as the VQT stuff. So,
0: <laughs> this is why, uh, honestly, this is why I opened Quester for RESP when I first started when Milo was first born. So, yeah.
2: everything's everything's already there, and I don't want to use up more of my brand on finances than I already do. So that's <laughs> I'm lazy.
3: <laughs> Well, in VEQT, you get like some nice exposure too, where you get you get your SP 500, mm-hmm. you get your Canadian, I think some international in there as well. Yeah. Right?
0: It's all equity. Yeah. You got your emerging market, your VUN is in there, your VCA is in there, et cetera. Like this, it's the whole world. I think it's got over 13,000 stocks. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. it's, I mean,
3: this this isn't like a one size fits all type of thing for everybody. It depends on your personal situation. Right. But like, yeah, the, those are just some of the benefits of VEQT. So.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like I'm a like weekend 5k runner in a room full of marathoners. Like I'm just like yeah, I just you know, do enough to keep myself in shape, keep myself going forward and everyone else here is just like, yeah, I'm a marathon runner. I have to optimize my nutrition and do my runs to uh get the most value out of everything possible.
0: Tim's a sprinter basically.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man. So, Mike, I just wanted to ask quickly. So before, when you were kind of talking about your mentor with your dad, and that basically ninety percent of your portfolio with uh, your investing is in the VEQT, I know that it sounds like it's it you've you've gone into it for basically just being mindless putting stuff down in for the future, getting those dividends, et cetera, and growth. Um, but I'm curious to start that was that coming from you, your dad, or you know was there some sort of external or internal factor that came in that vqt came up and you went hmm i wonder what this entails and this is a good investment for me
2: yeah with uh i with work they had some kind of like matching for tfsa as rsp um they and so but it was just in their own their own system they would manage it themselves and it would make money or whatever and i didn't think about that and then yeah recently switching jobs i just think a little bit more about oh how do i want to invest my company my money uh yeah how do I want to invest my money and what am I going to do with it and so I don't know talking to Tim was like hey I have these RRSP and TFSA money I have it sitting there what do I do with it and he kind of was like yeah uh this is what you do with it like I'd been talking to him before about stuff like that so I was vaguely aware what was going on but yeah he was one who kind of gave me the hard details I needed with what to do with his money
1: did Tim ever like show you something or like put you in a certain direction that gave you more to read up on it? Or was it just like, Hey Tim, can you help me? And Tim said, here you go. Um,
2: I did have some things where I did like some things where I want to make decent money. I know, I know I don't, won't need this money for years. So like risk isn't that big of a deal. And he's like, I also want it more invested in Canadian stuff. And he's like, well, there's these three options and this is what you're
3: getting with each of them. So I, yeah, gave me some options about stuff like that. So I guess we're uh, getting to that point in the podcast, you know, time to break a little piggy bank. And yeah, I think you're familiar with how this works, right?
2: I think so. Yeah.
3: So basically you have piggy bank, all the money in the world is in it. You get to break it open. And in this case, you get to, I know you love camping. You've got a bowler and you're kind of part of the bowler cult. And yeah, so... If you could choose five places to go camping, what would those five places be?
2: Ooh. On our list is East Coast, Canada. Mm-hmm. We want to do a road trip out there.
3: That's a long way to take the bowler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. no. Take like a month and just drive all that way. See all of the beautiful Canadian countryside. Oh, that would be sick. Uh, yeah, on the way, we'd probably stop by Niagara Falls and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, we've been there. We haven't taken our bowler yet, which is like Banff and Banff and Victoria Island. Um, those two. I feel like, yeah, we're like on a Canadian one. Top five Canadian places. And I guess I'll go up north sometime. I've never been up to the Yukon and stuff like that. But yeah, there are other places, and like we'll go to the states. Some of the national parks there are fantastic, like Mount Rushmore, Grand Canyon, but. Yeah, I guess you got my top five Canadian camping (laughs) spots. Okay.
3: And uh, what's the best place in Saskatchewan to be able to camp? Um, You've done like all lots of the provincial parks, anyway.
2: Duck Mountain is a great one. We didn't camp there, but we it's on our list for this summer. Prince Albert National Park up north. Mm -hmm. That place is gorgeous and has some great great roads to drive down and stuff like that. Cool.
1: Okay. So Tim, I know that you said to keep it at a minimum and I've been hurting all podcasts to bring this up. <laughs> so for listeners out there who don't know Mike, he is unfortunately a very big Leafs fan. And I, I my condolences, honestly, I, I share just complete sympathies, just, you know, but it makes yeah. me wonder, you know, you're wearing a Leafs hat right now. Number one, do you have a sinking fund for sports equipment or other merchandise from them? And how much have you had to spend every year? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the funny thing is is I don't have to spend anything really on leaf stuff because everybody's like hey, they just
0: donate them because it's trash.
1: or no, probably <laughs> hey, they haven't won the cup since when you haven't had to worry about new merchandise.
2: <laughs> That's really? right. Uh more of a thing of like, hey, what do we get Michael for Christmas or birthday? It's like, oh, this has a leaf logo on it. He'll like it. And I'm like, I don't need a Leafs like what I did get a Leaf crock pot. That's probably the weirdest leaf thing I it's <laughs> like yeah that one's great but yeah i guess some uselessly stuff
1: <laughs> yeah those past game sevens for you must have been tough
2: yeah somehow they're getting harder every time you think i'd be used <laughs> <by now. laughs> although you're directly responsible for the difficulty in the last one so
1: that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well thank you for being a team player that
0: i just I had to ask. fair enough uh mike uh, thanks for coming on today. Uh, obviously, it's good to share your story. Um, I hear Tim talk about you here and there, but uh, it's good to actually, you know, sit down with you and talk to you. I know, I know you from all the way back since university mm-hmm. and stuff, but I uh, haven't talked to you in a while. But uh, it's good to see that you and uh, Renee are doing well. Yeah. I uh, just quick question: how how fast do you want to try and pay off your house? I guess, uh, like, how many years do you have left on it, and, and how fast are you, yeah. do you think you'll you'll pay it off?
2: We still got twenty years left. Some of that money in the TFSA I might throw at it if the mortgage rates stay as high as they are.
0: Yeah. I want to
2: get it probably like ten or fifteen years from now. So our ten or fifteen years, yeah, from probably from now, should be good. But yeah, see, that's I good. have Renee has a bunch of renovations she wants to do, and I always tell her that that's a post mortgage renovation. So. Yeah, that's <laughs>
0: I got to tell you, man, as a homeowner, it never ends. It it doesn't matter if you do some run, it never ends. So yeah. yeah, Thanks so much for coming on. It was, uh, it was fantastic.
3: Yeah.
2: Thanks for having me. It was
0: fun.
3: Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah. I'm glad that we got to share your story. I mean, it's been cool, like firsthand being able to kind of see, yeah, see the journey that you've been on and yeah, getting the house and with like I, like I was saying, you know, even just kind of you sharing some of your tips around sustainability and food and and cloth diapers and things like that, and just how that's been able to help save money for you guys. So yeah, it's been really cool. Well, Mike,
1: uh, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you today and kind of talk about your story and just you know the things that you've done so far in your life that have brought you to where you are currently, and you know things that you're planning to do in the future. Um, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Once again, we always like to bring on these types of individuals just to, you know, share their perspective and kind of, you know, show that idea of how things could be done differently. And yeah, I guess until next time, uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. And if you're a six figure millennial or if you want to come on the show, got any ideas to bring on any financial topics that's interesting, feel free to reach out to us at financial classroom at gmail.com or find us a financial classroom on Facebook. Sorry, it's financial classroom on Instagram and Financial Classroom Canada on our podcast platforms. So yeah, thanks a lot, everyone. And uh, until next time, see you later. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more episodes and financial tips, check out our Facebook page, The Financial Classroom. And if you like this podcast, Feel free to subscribe and leave us a review on our various podcast platforms. Later.